What's up, everybody? It is Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. Coming at you on Sunday, January 12th. It has been a while. I don't even know how long it's been since I've actually done a show. Uh, took, uh, you know, following the, the Riggs interview, uh, t- took a few weeks off uh, for holidays, for peace of mind. You know, <clears throat> every once in a while, you just you hit a wall. And been doing, I don't know what it is, 80 episodes, 82 episodes of the show at this point. And between that and, and doing the site and writing for Bustin' Brackets and doing the preview writing for NAP and for a short while being associated with, with Better IQ, it just, uh, <clears throat> you know, along with, you know, a day job that, that requires, you know, 55 to 65 hours a week, <clears throat> holidays family booze you know every everything that you know is entailed in, in this part of the year <clears throat> you know I, I stretched myself a little thin and uh and it, it was time to take a step back and take a break kind of gather myself I have basically I've taken a hiatus from from busting brackets I've taken um I got done with Better IQ just because I actually really enjoyed my time at Better IQ and I, I just, it was, the, the demand was more than I was able to actually give. Um, had it been, you know, a full-time gig, I would love to, to do that type of stuff, that type of research and, and things like that. But um, busting brackets, you know, it, it was not financially feasible as far as what, what fan side is willing to pay for, for quality content is not it's not conducive to a quality product in my opinion and you know there there are some guys that put out fantastic products through fansided you know on busting brackets uh luke sarkins obviously one of them who is the, one of the site experts along with tristan freeman uh brian ralph puts out tremendous material for for busting brackets um but i just think that with the 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 fan base that I was writing towards, you know, I was catering to Georgia Tech and and the pay structure fan sided. I just didn't have the time to make it financially feasible. Like I said, um, in, in order to take the time to write the way that I want and kind of spend the time on it that I do. You know, if I write, you know, uh, say for instance the uh, the mesmerizing, which I did not choose that title by the way, that was chosen for me. Um, uh, piece that I did for whatever it was, the 50 most or the 25 most mesmerizing college basketball players of all time. I got paid like 45 bucks to do that. So <clears throat> t- took me, you know, two weeks to put everything together <clears throat> and write it and do 25 slides. It was however many 14,000 words or 15,000 words and I got paid 40 bucks for it. So not, not something that I'm interested in, whereas at NAP, uh, I've done well. So basically right now, doing the ACC Basketball Report podcast. I'm doing accbasketballreport.com, which I've put up numerous posts the last few days. I've kind of gotten back into the writing thing. Every once in a while, you get that itch, you get to scratch it, and you just have things that you can write about. Also, you know, always you can follow me at accbr1 on Twitter. That is where a lot of my stuff comes out, and I've been I've been pumping out some stuff the last couple weekends. Um, it's amazing what, you know, I'm, I'm going to get into a little personal bullshit here, but it's amazing what sobriety does to your motivation and since the new year's turned i've done kind of a dry september a dry january which is kind of cliche at this point but for for somebody like me who you guys know has a bit of a struggle with the booze every now and then you know i use it as kind of a crutch use it to celebrate use it to 
to drown your sorrows. Use it to, you know, cope with your day if you have a rough day, and then it turns into an excuse for for everyday living and something that I want to get rid of. And you, you know, immediately it's been ten days, and you immediately see the health benefits, and you immediately see it in your own personal energy, your motivation, your initiate, your initiative. So it's been it's been a good month so far. And I've, I've kind of got the itch to get back into this more than I had in the month of December where I kind of burned myself out. So uh, enough about the hiatus. I'm going to talk about um, some power rankings. We're going to go down through the ACC standings today, talk about some, some recent, I guess, uh, revelations, I guess, that are happening with inside the conference. And, uh, you know, just going to give you my thoughts on each individual team right now and going forward. And we're going to get back into the swing of things. We're going to make this a weekly show again. And I hope you guys enjoy. I am Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor. A Kogi. All right, like I said, guys, good to be back. Glad you could take the time to join me. I am going to, real quick, today's is kind of a get back into the swing of things, get my feet wet again kind of episode. I've made a couple appearances lately um, on some shows. Obviously, I've been doing The Rock in 25. I also was on ACC Weekly with Matthew and Jeffrey last weekend. So I hope you guys were able to tune in and get some of my thoughts on on that. I wasn't able to do a show last week just because I get so caught up in work and, and some other stuff. But like I said, this week... I'm back. Hopefully, it's a weekly thing. I will be on Jonathan Warner's podcast, um, "Marching to Mad." I'm sorry, "Making the Madness." "Marching to Madness" is a different podcast. Uh, "Making the Madness." We're going to talk about ACC. Uh, J Dub recently uh, released his ACC bracketology to ACCBasketballReport.com, so go check that out. And I've done some power rankings. I will release another power rankings today. So ACCBasketballReport.com. Make sure you guys check that out. What I'm going to do today, real quick. <clears throat> Uh, is just go down through the standings. We're going to start from the last place team in the ACC right now. I'm going to give you my thoughts on each individual team and uh, and and where I expect this this conference to head um, now that we are fully in swing with conference play. Uh, let's start with number 15 right now, Wake Forest. Currently 101st in Ken Palm, eight and seven on the season. They are one and four in the ACC. They basically alternate. The Deacons have alternated. Basically, three-game winning and three-game losing streaks for about the past month and a half. Um, you know, starting on November 22nd, Davidson, Charleston, Long Beach State were all three wins. Then they kind of hit the road. Uh, neutral site, lose to Arizona, Penn State, uh, NC State in consecutive games. And then go on another actually fairly impressive three-game winning streak, Xavier, North Carolina, A&T. And away at Pittsburgh was actually a really nice win for Wake. Since then, though, uh, faced two of the best teams in the ACC in Florida State and Duke. Uh, Florida State kind of grounded out against them. Um in Winston-Salem uh, last week, uh, during this week, and then last night, you know, Duke just completely boat raced them. Duke was making everything six of ten from deep in the first half, and and Wake Forest just doesn't have, you know, Chauncey Brown didn't play last night, so obviously that's one of their best players that uh, that, that isn't available to them. Zero point eight seven points per possession last night for Wake Forest, which isn't terribly bad, but. You know, Duke shoots 56% from the floor, 47% from three. Only 52% from the line, but they really didn't need it. Um, rebounding, 
15 offensive rebounds for the Blue Devils when you have a guy like Vernon Carey on the offensive glass. That's never going to be a way to a victory. Isaiah Musi has kind of fallen off a little bit lately after I was a little bit high on him uh, early in the season. Ishmael Musu didn't do a whole lot, which I had been kind of keeping an eye on him. You know, basically, this Wake Forest team is... I mean, they're a team that is going to finish either last or second to last in the ACC. There hasn't been a whole lot that has changed over the course of the season. Brandon Childress hasn't been as good as he typically is, um, which is not conducive to any kind of success for Wake Forest. Going forward, I mean, this is probably the last place team. I think Boston College was last in my power rankings last weekend. Um even without Derek Thornton, even without Nick Popovich, uh, Stefan Mitchell been suffering with the flu. You know, one of the Hamilton kids, I believe Jerry, uh, Jared Hamilton was supposed to miss yesterday's game, but he ended up actually playing. Uh, th- that team, for whatever reason, seems to have a lot of heart. Jay Heath is a heck of a player, I think. Um, and Boston College has kind of that it factor that Wake Forest doesn't. Now, certainly, Chondi Brown is a massive piece for that team, but even with him... You know, Wake Forest wasn't really setting the world on fire. So, Wake Forest, I think, is is heading towards a last place finish in the ACC. We'll see what happens with Danny Manning and his contract situation. Um, I I just I don't really know what else to say for Wake Forest other than Brandon Childress. I think needs to be a bit more selfish. He's been kind of hesitant to put it up lately. He you know, there's been long stretches of Wake Forest games lately where he hasn't attempted a shot. Um, I can't remember how long it took him to actually attempt the field goal in, in the Florida State game, but I believe it was either that game or the game before where half of the first half had gone by and he'd yet to attempt a shot. So you know I think Brandon Childress needs to be a little bit more selfish. I think, you know, Andrian White, um you know, Chani Brown obviously has to get healthy. Olivier Sire is actually having a really good season for, for Wake Forest, but, you know, going for naught, basically. And, and Isaiah Musius has gone up and down. I think he's probably the next big thing, if there is the next big thing to happen at Wake Forest. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. 14 in the league currently. Um, North Carolina, who dropped a game yesterday to Clemson. Clemson had been 0-59, which I'm sure you guys had, had realized, considering it's been all that's on any college basketball, Twitter, report, broadcast, anything like that lately. Clemson gets their first win uh, in Chapel Hill. I think they were 0-24 in the Dean Dome, something like that. Um Basically, you know, what I had said on ACC Weekly is these five guys that Carolina is running out currently it is, not a, is not a five-guy team that's going to succeed in the ACC. Now, yesterday, Brandon Robinson was on fire, okay? Armando Baycott, I thought, played really well. <clears throat> Leaky Blackhead, um, certainly spurts where, where he was where he looked like the player that we expected coming into the season. And then Garrison Brooks is obviously a legit ACC forward, um, who I think yesterday was bit a little bit by some foul trouble. Regardless, if Brandon Robinson can play like he played yesterday and Cole Anthony comes back, you know, and, and then you have what we expected in the preseason of, of Cole Anthony, um, Brandon Robinson, Leaky Black, Garrison Brooks, and Armando Baycott, that becomes a legit five, where Leaky Black is your fifth option and you're starting five. Okay, now we're now we're talking. But when Brandon Robinson is your number one, and Garrison Brooks is in foul trouble, and Baycott has been, you know, inefficient and inconsistent to say the least, this Carolina team, I think they're going to win some games at home. I think they're going to cover a lot, um, but 
on the road, which in the next couple weeks, uh, yeah, right now they're in a situation where next weekend, starting on next Saturday, they're actually off for the week. Um, away at Pittsburgh, where Pitt is actually favored, according to Ken Palm, and then at uh, Castle Coliseum for Virginia Tech, who I'm going to get into that in a minute. Virginia Tech is such an interesting team to me right now, but Carolina. I don't know if Cole Anthony comes back. I don't think the prospect of him returning is intriguing to him, considering his draft stock, his his position. He doesn't need the publicity. He doesn't need to showcase his skills any longer in order for him to be a top five pick in the NBA draft. Basically, NBA teams just need to know, is his knee healthy? If the answer is yes, he's going to go in the top five in the draft. Now, what we saw from him is interesting um obviously the nba game is a lot different than the college basketball game it's more kind of star driven system driven he can be a star in the nba i think but uh i i wonder what kind of what kind of pro career he's going to have this is going to be more kind of like what the what dennis smith has kind of experienced since he's been in the nba and also situation matters depending on where he lands it also has is a very big indicator of what kind of success he's going to have so for me if I had to put money on it, I would say it's 51-49 in favor of him not coming back. I, I honestly, I mean, if you're not going to make the tournament, you know, if Carolina's going to be an NIT team, what's the point, right? Unless you really love the game of basketball, which I don't know anybody that really loves the game of basketball enough to put a $200 million NBA future on the line, which, you know, it was just a torn meniscus, which is a pretty common, I guess, injury at this point, not you know, certainly not career threatening, anything like that. But knee problems are knee problems. We've seen what it, what it's done to, you know, many many um, NBA players. Derrick Rose immediately comes to mind, obviously. But <clears throat> I think uh, the six weeks is going to be up here in the next couple weeks, I believe. So <clears throat> we're going to see what happens. We're going to find out soon enough. You know, if if Carolina is able to go on a little bit of run, win three four in a row. You know, they get to 12 and 8, get to 13 and 8, you know, 12 and 9, something like that, and they're in a good spot in the ACC, a down ACC, then maybe it's 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 worth his while to maximize the experience in Chapel Hill while he's in college, and maybe he takes that opportunity, maybe he takes that chance, we'll see what happens. Uh, 13th in the league, currently Notre Dame at 10 and 6, 1 and 4 in the conference, despite playing fairly well, um, I think the last, last couple games... Uh, you know they they go to Syracuse, okay, and and win a hard fought game where they were. Uh, let me check real quick. They made some stupid amount of three pointers. Yeah, fifteen of thirty one in Syracuse against that two three zone. Um, unfortunately, in that game, they also gave up fifteen of thirty one. So you know, in, in a game against Syracuse, they Syracuse and Notre Dame, okay, two of the most notorious poor shooting three point squads in the ACC in the last couple of years. Um, combined to go 30 for 62 in a game, which is uh, worthy of a spotlight in and of itself. Then Notre Dame goes to NC State, where they have the Wolfpack on the ropes on Wednesday night. Um, I'm not sure what the biggest lead of the game was, but I believe it was North Carolina uh, Notre Dame by 12 at one point. Um, yeah, 51-39 at 15 minutes to go in the second half. Notre Dame was 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 beating NC State by 12. End up losing the game. Um, kind of shit the bed going down the down the stretch, and you know follow that up with a Saturday game 
at uh, at home at Purcell against Louisville. Now, Notre Dame has not been known the last couple of years to protect their home court very well. I think this was this game they lost yesterday to Louisville was the ninth game since the beginning of last year that this particular group of players has lost at Purcell Pavilion. So, something that you know probably comes with experience is learning how to protect your home court, learning how to take advantage. Um, it wasn't a dead, you know, a dead environment yesterday i thought that uh, the, the crowd at purcell was 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 well represented i guess uh biggest thing was prentice hub who had been really hot lately um of course i had him in a dfs lineup he goes two for ten from deep one for four from inside the arc and scores you know eight points in the game which not terrible tj gibbs i thought had a really good game john mooney had his typical 15 and 19 um but it, it just wasn't enough. Jordan Wara, uh, really good. Ryan McMahon was fantastic in the first half. He made a reverse layup in the first half that was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Turk just stumbled into the room to say hello if you guys uh, if you guys can hear him bothering me and being right underneath my feet. Um, you know, and then Dwayne Sutton made play after play as Dwayne Sutton does. He had a double double, ten points, eleven rebounds. So basically, and I said this on Twitter yesterday. Is there he is. Um, Basically, I said this on Twitter yesterday, Notre Dame's probably the most inconsistent team in the league, I think, apart from NC State, but at least NC State stayed engaged long enough to pull off that win um, in Raleigh over the week. I don't really know what to expect from this Notre Dame team. There are times, there are stretches where they play well enough to be a tournament team, and then there are times when they play where they may not make the NIT. Now, Dane Goodwin, hey, I got my hand up, uh, you know, a little pat on my own back time here. Dan Goodwin, 14 points yesterday, five rebounds, you know, a block, only one turnover, four for eight from three. I, I told you guys before the season started that Dan Goodwin is a player. He's one of the, the leading can, uh, the leading players in the ACC in points per possession, uh, minimum 100 possessions. I posted that poll, uh, or not poll, I posted that list on Twitter earlier this week at ACCBR1. He's just, he's a player. He's going to be the next good player at Notre Dame. He's going to be that that Pat Connaughton type, that uh, Tim Abramitis type. He's going to be that next guy at Notre Dame. I just don't know if Notre Dame is going to make it this year. Currently ranked 59th in Ken Palm, 10-6 and in the season, 1-4 and four in the ACC. Moving on to number 12 in the ACC is a team that's going to be in action today, the Miami-Florida Hurricanes, 9-5 and five on the season, 1-3. and three. Um in the ACC today, they host Pittsburgh in what I think is a very interesting game. Miami currently ranked 89th in Ken Palm. They've lost two in a row um, to Duke at home by 33, and then they went to the KFC Yum Center and and got beat by 16 uh, by Louisville, as opposed to the 13 that they lost to the Cardinals by on opening night. Chris likes basically doing it alone. Um, you know, I I, I expected more from from these guys coming into the season I thought a front court of uh, Sam Wardenberg Rodney Miller who some people her kind of kind of leaning towards to begin the season Anthony Walker who's a freshman a good athlete with some promise has kind of faded on this and then you know Dengak is, is hurt again I expected more help from that front court. They're just not receiving it. Uh, Vasilovich, Cameron uh, Magusti, both playing well. And actually, for the most part, Wardenberg's playing pretty well, given his his, his physical shortcomings as a big in the ACC when matching up some, with some other bigs. 
you know, he, he's a guy that's going to stretch the floor. He's going to shoot the three. But for the most part, Lee, uh, Likes is the only guy that can really create his own thing. Um, Magusti, Vasilovich, more of a spot-up guy. Um, you know, Magusti's actually quietly having one of the better seasons in the ACC that nobody's actually talking about. But, you know, it, it's they're a little bit deeper this year. Isaiah Wong has been pretty bad. Um, I was actually high on Wong coming into the season, and he has not not lived up to my expectations at all, which, I mean, a freshman in the ACC, there's certain growing pains that you're going to go through. Not everybody's R.J. Barrett. Not everybody's Zion Williamson. Not everybody's Cole Anthony. So Miami, you know, right now their biggest problem is they don't play any kind of defense at all. Currently ranked 217th in defensive defensive efficiency by the Ken Palm metric, uh, you know, allowing – Opposing teams to shoot over 33% from behind the arc. That's not a good number. I, they just they don't do anything at an elite level. I mean, they are ranked inside the top 20. Uh, in offensive efficiency, that number can sometimes be misleading. You have to combine it with other factors. They do shoot the three fairly well, but they also don't shoot a ton of threes uh, when compared to the rest of the country. So... Miami's an interesting team. If they could play any kind of defense, they would be a lot better. If they shot maybe a higher volume of threes, they might be a lot better. Um, I think the biggest problem is Laranaga likes to run that pick and roll, and it's not as good as it had been in previous years. Now, you'd think it would be. With with Wardenburg being able to pick and pop, you'd think that pick and roll would be a little bit more effective. And I'm going to try to look up their pick and roll numbers right now while I got you here. I just it's it's not as effective as it had been in, in seasons past. It is my guess with with Anthony Lawrence, but I'm gonna check because you know there are times when I've been mistaken. So we'll see what happens. Let me uh, punch this into the old computer. Ah, Miami Hurricanes. Uh, pick and roll the ball handler typically 0.98 points possession for the ball handler pick and roll for the roll man wow 1.13 points possession so I've been wrong um, for whatever reason though it just doesn't seem to be um, equaling the W's that it would have in, in seasons past so take that for what it's worth I you know wrong again not not above admitting that I'm wrong um, now these these two losses in the ACC for Miami coming off five consecutive wins for the Hurricanes. So they are capable, including that win over Illinois, which right now Miami is the only team in the ACC to actually collect the win. Actually, the only team in the country, the country, to get a win at Illinois. Rutgers, I believe, fell yesterday. And then, you know, other guy, uh, Michigan fell in Champaign before that. Uh, take it a quick, uh, nah, we won't take a quick look because I clicked on the wrong damn thing. But anyway, <clears throat> I think Miami still has potential. They have a uh, you know some winnable games coming up. I think they can get to Pittsburgh today. They're actually favored by one according to Ken Palm. I, I think they can they can run with North Carolina State, especially if CJ Bryce is out uh, with a concussion. Still, they they could win the next two games. <clears throat> I think they'll probably drop one. I honestly think Pittsburgh's going to beat them today. I just don't think they have. The uh, I just don't think they play the defense, and Pittsburgh just played very well on the road in the second half in Chapel Hill. The question is, do you trust Pittsburgh to actually play two good games in a row? I'm not sure that I do. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, the the darling of the ACC this morning, uh, number eleven, Clemson, eight and seven on the season, uh, two and three in the ACC. Collects a big win in Chapel Hill yesterday, breaking in a 59-game losing streak that dates back to their early 20s. 
um, against North Carolina. Amir Sims hits a huge three at the buzzer to send the game in overtime. Clemson then wins the game in overtime, 79-76. I don't really know what to say about the, the Tigers. They've won two in a row, okay? Uh, beat, uh, obviously, a down, injured North Carolina team, as well as an NC State team on the road. So, you can look at this a couple different ways. You can look at this as North Carolina State doesn't have their stuff together, which they didn't look like they had their stuff together yesterday until the last seven, eight minutes of the game. <clears throat> Um, certainly North Carolina is not what they typically are. Uh, injuries, um, you know, Jeremiah Francis didn't play in yesterday's game as well. So that's that's three guards that are currently sidelined for the Tar Heels along with Sterling Manley. Not to play it down, it is what it is. There have been times in the past where Clemson's been better than North Carolina and they still lost in Chapel Hill. So um, what Clemson or Clemson could be putting it together. Do I think that Clemson's putting it together? Not really. I think that Tevin Mack is becoming the Tevin Mack that we anticipated. He's inefficient, um, but a volume shooter at the same time. Clyde Trapp looked terrible yesterday. Uh, played 33 minutes, had one point. Um, I don't think he's got his legs underneath him. Take this. There were eight players. Eight players that played at least 10 minutes yesterday for Clemson. Every single one of them had an offensive rating of 112 or higher, with the exception of Claude Trapp, who had a 38 offensive rating, according to Ken Palm. So, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the knee. I mean, it, could, it certainly could be that he came back in record time from a knee injury. So, it, it just looked like all his shots were short. Um, he just doesn't look like he's got the lift on his jumper that he had before. And for me... This team should be Amir Sims, Johnny Newman, and Alamir Dawes. But Tevin Mack is kind of a, a ball killer, I guess. You know, the flow of the offense killer. He just he was good in spurts yesterday. But for me, you, you want to run pick and rolls with Alamir Dawes and, and Amir Sims. That's I think that's where you need to go. That's, that's not really a, uh, exactly what they're running. And then Johnny Newman is kind of a one-on-one guy, lefty guy. Um, who is, uh, I'm not going to say, he, he's not, uh, he, he's a unique player. He's, he's got some some things to his game that sometimes he looks really, like when he releases the shot, his jump shot is actually really good looking, but for some reason it just doesn't, eh, there's kind of an it factor. And then you got Karen Scott, who I was a little bit higher on than most people coming into the season, and after watching him play for a few games, I kind of see why people weren't high on him. Um, not really an ACC player. Nice bench player. He did play 30 minutes yesterday, had 14 points. But if, if he's going to be a guy you're going to lean on, then I'm not sure how far you're going to go. But for right now, Clemson actually looks pretty good. Um, like I said, winners of two in a row at NC State on the road. I'm sorry, NC State was in Clemson, I apologize, and then in Chapel Hill for the first time in almost 100 years. So, or for the first time ever, actually. Uh, bad losses for Clemson. I think the South Carolina loss is a bad loss. And other than that, everybody else is within like the top, well, the exception of Miami. Everybody else is within the top 60. But Miami, that's a conference game. In overtime, that happens. But... <clears throat> Clemson has Duke. You know, good job on beating Carolina. Now you get Duke on Tuesday after a Saturday game that went to overtime in which you played your guts out. So, best of luck to the Clemson Tigers this week as they travel to Durham. Syracuse called it. 
goes down to Charlottesville yesterday, John Paul Jones Arena, where Virginia never loses. Okay, seventeen and th- or I'm sorry, was it sixteen and one? I can't remember what I wrote on the wrote on the preview yesterday, but seventeen and three straight up <clears throat> in their last twenty was Virginia, um, I believe, at home. And then Syracuse comes down yesterday, gets a little payback for opening night where they take down Virginia 63-53 in overtime. Syracuse scores 43 points in regulation and then drops a 20 spot on Virginia in overtime. So Virginia, here's a question. Is Virginia, okay, well now we'll talk about Virginia when we get there. Is Syracuse a tournament team? Currently 9-7, overall 2-3 in the ACC. Upcoming games, Boston College at home. Uh, Virginia Tech on the road. They just dropped a game to Virginia Tech in uh, in the Carrier Dome. Notre Dame away. Pittsburgh at home. Clemson away. So next five games, they should go four and one. Like I said, Notre Dame does not protect their home court well. So Syracuse, you know, certainly against a team that that doesn't, you know, this is again 87, 88, uh, 88, 87. Just last week, just this week, Notre Dame takes that win on the road to the Carrier Dome. I, I, if I had to take the the money, there's no way Notre Dame hits 15 threes again. Hold on. <laughs> now, there's also no way that Syracuse hits 15 threes again. So, I, I trust the trio of Elijah Hughes, Buddy Bayheim, Joe Girard III to, to shoot better than I do maybe Prentice Hub, Temple Gibbs, and Dane Goodwin right now as far as from deep. However, you can't stop John Mooney. Um, John Mooney the last couple of games going up against Dolajai, going up against uh, Sidibe, going up against Enoch, going up against Bleak Williams. Nobody can slow him down. Okay, He's the guy. So can Syracuse figure a way to keep him off the offensive glass to figure out how to kind of keep him in check? He's going to get 10 and 10. Okay, He's going to get that. The, the The question becomes, you know, do you stop, can you stop Prentice Hub? Who's, I don't know if anybody could have coming into yesterday's game, but then Louisville does. So maybe he's... Maybe he's peaked and he's headed back down towards the valley, which which Hub is prone to do. Um, Dane Goodwin, I think, is a bona fide star, but he's not really a volume scorer. He's going to get you 12 to 16 points pretty consistently, but he's probably not going to score 25 very often. So, you know, Temple Gibbs been a little bit hot. I just I think that Syracuse can shut down Notre Dame well enough. I think they can shut down Boston College well enough. I think if I was to pick a game in their next five that they would be likely to lose, it would be Virginia Tech um, at Castle, simply because Virginia Tech plays like a team like nobody I've, ever, I've seen in the ACC thus far. I just, even even Duke, um, they just, when you look at their lineup, you go, eh, and then you see them on the court, and they're just consistent, they run good stuff. So, again, Syracuse, I think, they go 4-1, over this next little stretch here, they're sitting at thirteen and eight, um, you know, six and four in the ACC, and here we are, right back on the bubble. And I think that it was it was easy to see them covering the six and a half yesterday. Not as easy to see them winning straight up, but they they kind of showed you a little bit of something yesterday, uh, grinding it out. That game was a grind, um, 43-43 at the end of regulation. I did not watch overtime. I had really no interest in that game um, as the G-Tech game started. So I think I had it on one of the quiet TVs, or I had one of the other games, or I had one of the football games on. I can't remember. But 
that game was terrible to watch. You know, I said in the preview earlier this week that that Virginia te- uh, Virginia Syracuse is going to set the game back twenty years, and it did not disappoint in that aspect. So look for Syracuse to go on a little bit of run due to their schedule. Get right back into the bubble conversation as we head into mid February. Next on the list, North Carolina State currently eleven and five, two and three in the ACC, projected by Ken Palm to go ten and ten in the league. I am not sure how I how I feel about that. Um, yesterday, uh, on the road in Castle, uh, you know, CJ Bryce didn't play. He's out with a concussion. Um, Markel Johnson coming off a game against Notre Dame where he played out of his mind, maybe the best game I've seen him play in his career. And I've been a huge Markel Johnson guy for his entire career. Uh, 27 points, seven assists, four rebounds, three steals in Wednesday night's game against Notre Dame. In Purcell Pavilion. I'm sorry, no, that was in Raleigh. Is that correct? Yeah, that was in Raleigh. So they go on the road, they go to Castle, and he lays a complete egg, which, you know, <laughs> the universe is, is once again balanced. And Virginia Tech collects the win 72 to 58. I thought Carolina State looked bad. Um, just, just really bad. Um, you know, early on in the season, C.J. Bryce was the was the big shot maker for this team, um, tough shot maker, and you guys can see what you want about the mid range game. See if C.J. if you're making them, they're not bad shots. Okay, a two pointer is just as good as a layup if you're making them. So, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, a, a two point jump shot is just as good as a layup as long as you make it. Um, and without him. They've been able, you know, opposing defenses have been able to key a little bit on Markel as well as Devin Daniels, who's been who's been very good this season. Again, one of those players having a season that nobody's really talking about. Manny Bates has been fantastic on the defensive end. T.J. Funderburk, minimum 100 possessions I posted this week, is leading the ACC in points per possession at 1.23 points per possession. He was fantastic again yesterday. In this, if if this group again on paper. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that Helms is a weapon. I, I think he's a better shooter than maybe his season-long percentage would, would indicate. This team is loaded on paper. And, and maybe, I mean, Braxton Beverly, who hasn't gotten a whole lot better since his freshman season. But this team should be better than 11-5. and five, Okay? They should, you know, they shouldn't be losing to Clemson even at Little John. Okay? It, Clemson, Virginia Tech, both away. Yeah, you can lose one of them. You shouldn't lose both of them. Okay, they probably should be beating Memphis on a neutral floor as well, and they certainly shouldn't be losing to Georgia Tech at home. Um, now again, no Mark L. Johnson, no DJ Funderburg to open the season. Still pretty talented. Um, I don't really know how I feel about this NC State team. They should be the fourth or fifth best team in the conference. I think they're going to get an opportunity to show that. Again, Wednesday night, they play Florida. Um, next weekend, they get Clemson at home. So two consecutive home games that they should win. Okay, they win both those games. They're sitting at thirteen and five, four and three in the ACC, and they're rounding that corner. You know, coming to where they should be now. After that, they go to Charlottesville and they go to Atlanta. Which Atlanta, we've saw. You know, we saw Duke struggle a good bit against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Ultimately, got the win. NC State's going to struggle against Georgia Tech in Atlanta, guaranteed. Manny Bates and James Banks are going to cancel each other out, okay? Moses Wright, DJ Funderburk, probably going to cancel each other out. 
Markel Johnson, Jose Alvarado, probably going to cancel each other out. Okay, so now it comes down to Michael DeVoe, Jordan Usher, against potentially C.J. Bryce and Devin Daniels, and maybe Jericho Helms. Um, on paper, again, that's a matchup that favors North Carolina State. North Carolina State has, this is their upcoming schedule, Miami, home, Clemson, home, Virginia, away, Georgia Tech, away, Carolina, home, Louisville, home, <laughs> Miami away, Syracuse away, Boston College away. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. They should go seven and two. Okay, and over the next nine games, okay, when we get to Sunday, February sixteenth, North Carolina State should be nine and five in the ACC. Okay, North Carolina State should be eighteen and seven in the ACC. If they are not, I mean, I, I'm going to give them. They're going to lose either at Virginia or at Georgia Tech, and then they're going to lose the Louisville game at home. Other than that, they shouldn't lose any of these games. Syracuse way is possible. <laughs> I'll give you that. But with the shooting they have playing against that 2-3 zone, Devin Daniels, C.J. Bryce, I'm assuming will be back, uh, Braxton Beverly, uh, Jericho Helms, Markel Johnson, against that zone, somebody or two of those somebodies should shoot well enough to, to be effective against the Syracuse team that... That regardless of how they've played lately, you know, they put up 97, whatever it was on GTAC, put up 87 against Notre Dame. North Carolina State should be able to out, outplay them. Now, where it comes in, now what is the downfall potentially of this Wolfpack team is their defense. 133rd in adjusted defensive efficiency, okay? 168th in opponents' effective field goal percentage allowed. They don't turn their opponents over very well. They're 125th in the country enforcing turnovers. They are 225th in the nation in defending the three-point line, allowing opponents to shoot 34%. Okay, um, They do protect the rim fairly well. Manny Bates currently leads the ACC in blocks, I believe, unless James Banks passed him last night. But I think right now, regardless, Manny Bates and James Banks are the two best block shot blockers in the ACC. Both of them have more blocks individually as like five teams do in the ACC. I think I saw that metric last, or that statistic last night. Um NC State does take care of the ball, which is obviously a factor of Markel Johnson uh, being one of the best point guards in the country. Still believe that. Yep. 10, 15 top point guards in the country. He's on that list. Um, I, I will back off my preseason statement where I said I would take Markel Johnson over Trey Jones, though. That, that, was, that was a blasphemous statement, and I apologize for that. But Markel's still, like I said, one of the top 10, 15 team, uh, point guards in the country. So, to wrap up this, you know, tirade of North Carolina State basketball, they should, in a month, uh, what is it, in 34 days, okay, they should be 18 and 7. We'll see where we're standing when we get to February 16th. Moving along, way too much time on NC State. Georgia Tech, 8 and 8 on the season, 3 and 3 uh, in the ACC. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a 20 point win, 71 52 over Boston College yesterday after putting up a pretty good fight. Against Duke on Wednesday night at home, they dropped that game 73-64. Jose Alvarado has been fantastic, which, if you're a GTAC fan, shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, for GTAC, in the in the game since his return, he's averaged about 13 points, 5 assists, couple steals, couple rebounds. He's shooting 36% from 3, 90% from the line. Now, yesterday he did tweak an ankle again. Um, 
you know, I wish that I could just put his ankles in casts. You know, I would sacrifice the flexibility for the production at this point. Um, the problem with G-Tech is they've, they've alternated wins and losses going back to Ball State. Uh, Wednesday, December 18th, they lose to Ball State okay, at home. Since then, it was a, a win over Boise State, a loss to Houston, a win against Hawaii. Those were all the Diamond Head or Emerald, Co- no, Diamond Head Classic in Hawaii. Uh, they come back to the mainland. They go to Tallahassee and lose. They beat North Carolina and Chapel Hill, lose to Duke at home, beat Boston College on the road. So here's the interesting thing. <clears throat> Georgia Tech has played one home game since before Christmas. Okay, uh, last well, They played at home against Duke on Wednesday night. Before that, the last game they had played at home was December 18th against Ball State. Okay, So three... Three, uh, well, okay, yeah. Two neutral game site uh, games in Hawaii. Then they played Hawaii on Hawaii's home court, which they got the win. Um, they come back home six days later. So you travel from Hawaii back to Georgia. Then you head to Tallahassee to play in one of the most hostile environments in college basketball. And then after that, you go to Chapel Hill, okay, where inexplicably, which is completely against logic in the Josh Passon era, you start. Like a fucking house of fire, thirty to four, twenty-seven to four, whatever the hell it was, against the Tar Heels. You pull out a thirteen-point win where you score ninety-six points. Okay, second highest total. In, no, I'm sorry, highest total in the season, ninety-six points. But okay, if I remember correctly, Carolina doesn't score a field goal for the first 15, 14 minutes of that game. You still give up eighty-three. Now that is, um. A correlation, I guess, of the foul trouble that they found themselves in, which I think Passner had his foot on the gas at the time and had no interest in letting up. You know, screw it, we're up 30 to 4. I don't care if you guys got two fouls. I'm going to play the first half for once. Okay? For the first time. We've been asking for this for three years. You know, put your foot on their throat and send it in, big fella. Um, and, and it kind of backfired a little bit, which, I mean, Garrison Brooks was on the line every 14 seconds in that game, which you kind of expect when you're playing in Chapel Hill. But it is what it is. You get the win on the road. So basically, Georgia Tech, its last three wins, as its last four wins, have come away from home, which is crazy if you, if you follow Georgia Tech basketball. Um, coming up, home against Notre Dame on Wednesday, uh, home against Virginia next weekend. They hit the road to Louisville, which is going to be a bloodbath. Um, the following Saturday, home against NC State. And then this is a move that Passner does every year that I am not a fan of. Um, Tuesday, January 28th, they host Morehouse. I don't even know who Morehouse is. Uh, Got to be a, a Division two, Division three NAI school. Uh, probably a local school. I'm not sure. But he has done this in the past couple years, or actually in his time at Georgia Tech, kind of break up the, uh, the I guess, the monotony of the ACC schedule, the gauntlet that is the ACC schedule. And I'm not sure it is a good use of, of schedule. I'm, I'm not sure that you want to follow up what could be a, a very emotional because, because North Carolina state Georgia tech is becoming a rivalry. Okay. The last, I don't know what it is. Four or five games of the G tech North Carolina state rivalry have been all decided by three, four, five points or less. Something crazy like that. James Banks has hit game winners in the last two. One was a dunk one was from the free throw line. Um, I'm not sure you follow up that emotional, what could be an emotional high for the yellow jackets 
with an NAIA game, or whatever the hell they are, where you're going to win by 50, and then you hit the road and go to Notre Dame, that's that's not good. I don't think that's good preparation. Now, I, I see the logic in it. Give, give the guys a mental break. Maybe get to run your stuff against a lesser opponent, basically a scout team opponent, you know, and 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 work on some stuff. But you go, you're going to go from, if you win that game at home, which that game, that NC State game, that's going to be packed. Okay, that in McCamish is going to be packed. It's going to be loud. Would not doubt it if they do some kind of fan giveaway deal promo and they sell the place out and the place is fucking jacked. Okay, Jeff Collins on the sidelines, some kind of rapper sitting in the crowd, fucking two chains. I don't know whoever it is. I, I don't follow rap, so I don't fucking know. Two chains might not be rapping anymore. I don't know, but that place is going to be jacked. Okay. You're going to win that game. Okay, Georgia Tech's going to beat North Carolina State in Atlanta. That's going to happen. I just said, I don't know what I just said when I did North Carolina State. I don't know if I said they're going to win, but they're not going to win. Okay, North Carolina State is going to go to Georgia Tech. They're going to lose. Okay, Michael DeVoe is going to have fucking 40. Okay, career high. On his way to the draft lottery. He's going to break everybody's hearts. But you're going to follow that up with an NAIA game where your guys are going to half-ass it, almost guaranteed, because, I mean, they half-assed it at home against Syracuse. <laughs> right okay so anyway you're gonna half ass then you're gonna go on the road to purcell and you're gonna play what's probably gonna be a desperate notre dame team who's gonna be desperate for a win at home um because they're gonna lose probably multiple games between now and then i just don't think it sets you up for remember i beat on north carolina state for this last year um let's take a look real quick i i remember i specifically remember doing this last year north carolina state heading into acc play Yes. Okay. This is why. Okay. North Carolina State played Wisconsin last year in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Okay. Followed that up with a game against Vanderbilt. Okay. Sure. On a neutral court. Whatever. It was some kind of event, I'm sure. Okay. Western Carolina, followed by that. Okay. A 33-point win. We're talking about NC State last year, for those who aren't paying attention. Um, NC State, Auburn. I'm sorry. Penn State, Auburn, following that. Okay. And then you have your opening... You're opening the ACC on January 3rd, okay, against Miami, in Miami, in Coral Gables. Now, they actually won that game, surprisingly enough. But leading up to that game, you're playing 336th in Ken Palm, USC Upstate, okay? You follow that up after Christmas, 270th ranked Loyola, Maryland, before ACC play. Great. 230-point wins. Congratulations, you guys played well. Okay, that's how you prepare for the ACC. Now, they go down to Coral Gables, they get a five-point win against Miami, but then they start the ACC season four and six in their first ten games. Okay, what was their, what was their, their, uh, their out-of-conference schedule? Mount St. Mary's, Maryland Eastern Shore, UNC Asheville, Maine, St. Peter's, Mercer, Western Carolina, USC Upstate, Loyola Maryland. That's not how you prepare for the, for the ACC. It's not how you do it. And giving Georgia Tech a, a, a way to come down, giving your way, your team a, a, a reason to relax and become complacent, I don't think is a good idea. And it's not something I can get behind. We will see how it works out, I promise you. Let's see. Actually, let's take a look because I think they played Morehouse last year too. They actually didn't do it last year. Damn. Yeah, that's twice I've been way wrong. Maybe Ken Palm just didn't put it on the schedule because I know they do this every year. I'm wondering if maybe that's it. Hmm. 
Yeah. In 2016-17, which would have been uh, Pastner's first season, they played Tusculum, which was a 40-point win, again, in early February. I don't understand why he does that. I thought he did it last year, too. Maybe he didn't. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. It's going to happen again, fellas. It's still only early January. All right. Moving on. So, basically, I just did that whole big rant for nothing. He's done it twice in four years, apparently. But it is what it is. Pittsburgh traveling to Miami today. Um... Coming off a big second half in Chapel Hill. You know, they were down nine uh, to the Tar Heels. Tar Heels maybe looked like they were back, similar to the way they looked yesterday in the first half and the first half of the second half. Um, Pittsburgh comes back. They win that game 73-65. Trey McGowan's. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Trey McGowan's coming into this game a dozen games on the road in his career. Had shot less than 35% from the field. Okay, I have made mention of this multiple times, either on Twitter, at ACCBR1, or this podcast. Terrible on the road. Trey McGowan's terrible. In fact, Pitt on the road under Jeff Capel, terrible. Okay, I can't do a Charles Barkley impersonation, but I can try. I can do a bad one. Hopefully, it's amusing you. Um, in this game, though, Trey McGowan's not terrible. Okay, 24 points, 4 of 8 from deep, 4 of 9 from deuce, 4 of 6 from the line, 8 assists, 6 boards, did have 4 turnovers, but also had 4 steals in 39 minutes. Now, that could be an anomaly. As I stated on ACCBasketballReport.com earlier this week, that could be an outlier. That could be the one out of the 13. Or it could be a kid who has played 12 games on the road and is finally figuring it out. We're going to find out today because Miami doesn't play shit for defense. Okay, If you're playing DFS today, I wouldn't put them all on the same line. Xavier Johnson, Ryan Murphy, Trey McGowan, Justin Champagne, all of them viable DFS options in my opinion. I have Xavier Johnson in one. I have Ryan Murphy in another. Why? Because Ryan Murphy's 4900 bucks, and he might hit 18 points today. Um, then again, he might score a deuce. Um, Eric Hamilton was part of an article I wrote, or part, I'm not going to call it an article. I don't know if I write articles. If, they're, if they are blogs, are they actual articles, or are they just random thoughts by some guy without a journalism degree? Because that's me. Um, Eric Hamilton, guy who Pittsburgh would be worse off without than with. Uh, transfer from Rice, he's a winner, makes winning plays, has kind of replaced Terrell Brown in the starting lineup. Hamilton gives them a bit of toughness. Terrell Brown's exposed as kind of weak, kind of soft, which I've been big on Terrell Brown. His entire career in Pittsburgh, going back to the Stallings era, when he was going to be a transfer, and he decided to come back. I believe he was the first guy to decide he was going to come back. I said, that's a big deal. Terrell Brown's going to be a good center. He's going to be an ACC-level center in this league for the years to come. It's a good building block for Jeff Capel. He's a block machine. Um, I'll give him that. He's great on defense um, when he's dialed in, but he's against bigger centers, against guys that can muscle him up. Stephen Enoch, uh, John Mooney, okay, those guys. He ain't shit. And Terrell, uh, Eric Hamilton kind of gives them that toughness. He ain't scared. He ain't scared. He's going to get in there. He's going to mix it up. And I think Pittsburgh at 11-4, and 2-2 uh, two two in the ACC currently is, uh, I'm sorry, no. Yeah, they are two and two, uh, and the ACC currently is that has a, that's a big factor in them being as good as they are. Now today is a game they should win, in my opinion. Ken Palm, you know, disagrees, but you know that's why he's him and I'm me. He's probably a millionaire with his own system, and he's widely recognized for his metrics. And I'm just a guy sitting in an office recording a podcast on a laptop. So <clears throat> to me, this this Pittsburgh team should eat today. 
okay, against the Miami team that doesn't play any defense. And if Trey McGowan's comes out and scores 20 today, or even 16 today, and he does it efficiently, and that, that's a big step for Pittsburgh. The next step would be to get Xavier Johnson correct, because Xavier Johnson ain't been correct all season. I don't know how much Pittsburgh you guys watch, but I watch enough to know that Xavier Johnson ain't right. Ryan Murphy shouldn't be trying to initiate the offense as much as he is, shouldn't be trying to create as much as he is. He needs to embrace that Jared Wilson frame type role where he hunts wing threes, corner threes, and is just the knockdown shooter that he was born to be, baby. Um, Xavier Johnson needs to be more of a creator, needs to start getting to the free throw line. I'm not sure what his rate is this season. I know it's less than last season. Turning the ball over at an incredible rate. I cannot open up sportsreference.com because the second that I do... It will start causing audio problems on this laptop. I'm sorry I didn't look at it before, but I didn't have time. It's early. I'm recording this at 8.30 in the morning, people. All right. <clears throat> Pitt at, at uh, Miami, Florida today is my lock of the day. Why? Because it's the only game today. All right. <clears throat> Moving along. <laughs> if Raise your hand, okay, if on January 12th you thought that Boston College was going to be the number six team in the ACC... Go ahead, raise them up. You're all fucking liars. Anybody with your hands raised right now, you're a fucking liar. Uh, Boston College did drop a game. Two of their last three. Duke on the road. No shit. Um, Georgia Tech at home yesterday. But (laughs) the Eagles hosted Virginia this week. Short. Okay. Derek Thornton. Sands. Nick Popovich. Stephon Mitchell with the flu. Okay. So that leaves freshman Jay Heath. Okay, three-star Jay Heath, who got some run in the preseason, but the only run that he got was that he wasn't good enough to step in and be the next Winston Tabs, the next Kai Bowman, the next Jerome Robinson. Okay, he wasn't that guy. Guess what? He's that guy. Okay, he's a goddamn good player. Um, against Virginia. Now, he, they, I don't know if any of you guys watch this game. Some of you guys don't like to watch Virginia, no doubt. Uh, none of your guys like to watch Boston College. I, I, Boston College is one of the teams that eludes me as far as news and information on the on the internet because nobody cares enough. I mean, there's one guy on Twitter that I follow almost exclusively for Boston College information, and he's basically the only guy. Um, now, if you watched this game the other day, Jay Heath, Jared, uh, Jared Hamilton, and Jairus Hamilton hit some shots that they had absolutely no business making at all. Um at one point, Jay Heath threw up like a one-handed shot clock, and it just it, he drained it. Um, Seventeen points, couple assists, couple steals in this game. Only one rebound, not a whole lot. Three or five from deep. Played thirty-nine minutes, handled the ball where that's typically where Derek Thornton, um, you know, excels, and that's his responsibility. Jay Heath, true freshman, steps in against Virginia, albeit on the road um, in, in Chestnut Hill. And plays well against one of the best defenses and one of the best defenders. Kia Clark's one of the best on-the-ball defenders, not in the ACC, but in the entire country. And Jay Heath, you know, he made him pay on multiple occasions. I mean, there's no real way around it. And is Boston College better than what we all anticipated? Maybe. Um, Maybe they have only played Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Duke, Virginia, and Georgia Tech, though. Now... It wouldn't shock me if they were one and four, but I think the more like I mean, even if you if they had Derek Thornton and they had Nick Popovich, you would expect them to be two and three at this point. Okay, you would expect them to beat Wake Forest on opening night. I think, I think, with, with Thornton and with Popovich, it, it's a you would expect it to be a two point game. 
anyway, and from there, I mean, anything can happen, right? Especially when you're at home. You're in Chestnut Hill. Well, Chestnut Hill is a huge home court advantage, but you would expect that game to be close because it's two very bad teams, right? Notre Dame on the road at Purcell, another example of Notre Dame not protecting their home court. Okay, Boston College goes to Notre Dame. Put those two lineups side by side, even, even with Thornton and even with Popovich. Okay, it should be no contest. Notre Dame should be winning that game by 15 to 20 points at home every time. Nine out of ten times. Okay? 99 out of 100 times. Now, Duke, 40-point loss at Durham, at Cameron? Sure. Yeah. Can't, I, I can't fault anybody in the ACC this year, with the exception of Florida State and Louisville, for dropping that game by that many points. There's potential for every team in the ACC to lose that game by that many points. Now, to host Virginia, that says more about Virginia than it does for Boston College. Um, and we're going to get into that in just a second. Um, Georgia Tech, though, yesterday at home. When you beat a team, okay, say you go out, you beat, you lose to Duke by 40. You vindicate yourself by hosting the, the defending national champs, even though that's not what they are. That's not what this team is. The program won the championship last year. This team is not the defending national champs. Okay, All those guys are gone. I don't believe in that kind of talk. Um, this isn't a rematch of any game last year. Okay, All those players are gone. Winston Tabbs ain't playing. Okay, Kai Bowman's gone. Those three guys for Virginia are gone. Jack Salt's gone. Um, this is this year's game. Okay, This is 2019-20. I don't give a shit what happened last year or 10 years ago. However, that's what ESPN's going to play on the next morning. When they, when they talk about Boston College, which they did talk about, what are they going to say? Boston College takes down defending national champs. And that's going to that's gonna have you guys get up. Regardless of whether Derek Thornton plays, we all knew Nick Popovich wasn't playing. Stefan Mitchell had the flu, went out there and played like a god. And I don't even know what his stat line is. I'm going to look it up right now. I probably had one and one. Um, Stefan Mitchell, 10 points, 7 boards, an assist, 3 blocks, 2 steals. Yeah, had the flu. Puking on the sideline. Puts up that stat line, okay? LeBron's being carried off the court for a sprained ankle. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you follow that up. You know, the Duke crushing. You follow that up with a, with a win at home, okay? Over the quote-unquote defending national champs. And then you host Georgia Tech. Seven and eight Georgia Tech, right? Whoop-de-fucking-do. It's not going to look great on resume. It's not a rivalry game. No fans probably show up. Actually, that place was quiet. That was a tomb yesterday. Um, what happens? Jose Alvarado happens. Jordan Usher happens. Okay, Moses fucking Wright happens. Eighteen and ten. Okay, James Banks blocking shots at two ends. You could have had two balls out there. James Banks is still blocking two shots at a time. Unreal. Wearing his neon green Adidas. I love him, but I, lo- I the teal. That's your signature. Big game, James. That's my guy. Big game, James. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to the teal. It's the signature, baby. 19-point win for Georgia Tech. BC, 9-7, 3-2 in the ACC. Uh, tough stretch. It's it's it, Actually, I wouldn't say it's a tough stretch for BC coming up. It's an interesting stretch for BC coming up. Three consecutive games on the road, all ACC games. Okay? Ugh, right? Ugh, not great. However, at Syracuse, at Wake Forest, at Pitt. Now, Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. Probably going to be a loss. Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. 
That's going to be an interesting game between two bad teams. I, I don't care. Boston College might be in sixth place in the ACC. I don't care. It's, they're still going to finish in the basement somewhere. That's going to be a good game against two bad teams. That might be the battle for the basement right there, fellas. Um, and then Pittsburgh away. I, You know, Pittsburgh's tough at the Pete. Um, that's the Peterson Event Center, which I think the Pete is also the name for Northwestern? No. I don't know. I can't remember. Um so three games in a row on the road within a week of each other. Seven days. Wednesday the 15th to Wednesday the 22nd. Three road games in ACC. Always tough. Um, you're going to see what we're going to see what Boston College is made of real quick. Now, Derek Thornton, I would assume, is going to be back. Uh, I'm not even really sure what's wrong with him. I want to say it's a knee. Not real sure. Uh, Popovich is back, which. As, as a sufferer of back issues and back spasms um, and, and all that nonsense, hip issues, I can tell you that it's a finicky thing. You can be fine one minute and then just it's out and you're done for another week. So we're, we're going to find out who Boston College is real quick. I don't think that they're the sixth team in the ACC. They might be. Maybe Jay Heath is an all-star. Maybe Jay Heath and Jairus Hamilton realizes his potential. And Jared Hamilton was always better than playing in the Colonial. And maybe, maybe. We'll see what happens. Virginia Tech, 12 and 4 in the ACC. I'm sorry, 12 and 4 overall, 3 and 2 in the ACC. Uh, nice win yesterday um, at home against NC State following a what I would call an unexpected win on the road in the Carrier Dome on Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> like this. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it, I put an article or a blog up earlier this week, the winners, okay? And just talked about five guys. One of those guys was Terrence Radford of Virginia Tech. A guy that just makes winning plays. Okay, I don't know. You look at, I posted his 247 profile up, a 24-7 profile up there. What it basically tells you is he's 6'2 and he's going to Virginia Tech. No additional interest from any D1 schools is what it says. No offers, no visits, no fucking nothing. No video, no scouting report. Brian Snow ain't on there telling us why he's good and why he's bad. Just 6'2, he's going to Virginia Tech. Good enough. Um, What's he do yesterday? 18 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks. Guy is 6'1", 6'2". This Virginia Tech team is just that. Their team. Um, Will Bisabidi, great leader. um, Never going to score at a high level. You know, I don't know if you guys remember back in the summer, we talked to Paul Van Wagener, who's on ESPN Radio in Blacksburg. Will Bisabidi told him straight up, I can score. I can score if they need me to score. Well, I don't know if that's true. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> we might not know yet because with Landers Nolly on the floor, they don't need him to score. Okay, Nolly comes out yesterday and does the Nolly thing. Uh, 29 points, uh, 6 and 19 from the floor. Eh, not great volume shooter, but goes along the same lines that Mike Young played with with Fletcher McGee at Wofford and had great success. Okay, 9 of 10 from the line for Nolly yesterday. Big, 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 big. Okay, you know, 7 rebounds, great. An assist, a steal, cool. Turn the ball over only three times, which I don't know what his usage rate was, but I bet it was high because they get it to him on the post. They get it to him on the wing. He gets rebounds and brings the ball up. He's running off. I mean, he just, he's Fletcher McGee, just like I told you guys. And then you got guys like P.J. Horn, um, Isaiah Wilkins, Hunter Couture, just great team guys. You know, Couture was going to SoCon. He, he was going to Wofford with Young, and he went from a SoCon player to an ACC player amidst the coaching change. Okay, that's how much Mike Young believes in that kid. Okay, 
I, I think you can play in the SoCon, or I know you can play in the SoCon, but I also think you can play in the ACC, especially in my system. And he's been effective. Okay, 20 minutes yesterday against a, a legit ACC opponent in North Carolina State. Five points, four rebounds, two assists, zero turnovers. Okay, a steal. Jalen Cohn, coming off a 19-point career high in his previous game uh, against Syracuse. In Syracuse, I believe. Starting to come along. I mean, quick as a hiccup, just like I told you guys. Now, that jump shot's way better. Way better than I anticipated coming into the season. I talked to Jaron Anderson, who is a, a Virginia Tech alum. Okay? Works for Phenom Hoop Report. Okay? There's Turk. Okay? Um... Let's hold on real quick. Let's see if we can get him calmed down. You know, and what Jaron said to me, sorry about that. What Jaron said to me <clears throat> on the interview was, yeah, he's good. He's quick. He's a little small. And uh, and the jumper needs to be, you know, worked on a little bit. <laughs> Jalen Cohn has worked on it, apparently. Um, shooting with confidence. You know, he has, it's funny too, because you see some guys line it up these days from deep. And it's not really a jump shot anymore. Jalen Cohn has a legit jump shot. Okay, a kid gets up off the ground. Okay, Braxton Beverly is another kid. Gets up off the ground when he's shooting a jump shot. Uh, there are guys like, you know, you know, six, 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 seven guys. Jericho Helms comes to mind, who is more of a set shot kind of guy. Effective, but, you know, Braxton Beverly gets off the ground. Jalen Cohn gets off the ground. Uh, Michael DeVoe is actually kind of in between. Doesn't really get up off the ground a lot, but it's pretty. Okay. Um, Johnny Newman gets up off the ground. So <clears throat> it's 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 interesting. It's it's probably more of a of a smaller guy thing, I'm sure, kind of loading up um, to get it there. Not as much strength as like a six seven Landers Nolly, a six seven Jericho Helms. But um, <clears throat> as far as a spark plug off the bench. The kid's really coming into his own. Uh, Twenty minutes, uh, twenty-one minutes yesterday. Ten points, two of four from deep, couple, couple free throws. Again, zero turnovers. Okay, and this is either indicative of the stuff that Mike Young runs, or indicative of how little defense NC State plays. Eight turnovers on the game. Okay, well, BCBD played twenty-eight minutes. Really felt like more. To be honest, two turnovers. And one of them was at the very end of the game, which I don't think was a turnover. I think it was a tip ball. went out of bounds, something like that. He tried to throw a bad pass. Either way, it went out of bounds. Um, ruled the turnover. Not sure it was. I, You know, I said on ACC Weekly last weekend, guys, I, I expect this Virginia Tech f- team to fade. They ain't fading. Mike Young's a fucking good coach. I mean, that's all there is to it. That, that little three-game run after the Michigan State win of, of Dayton, BYU, and Duke when they lost three in a row, that's long in their rear view. Okay, they're six and one since then. Their only loss being to Virginia, but they've got road a road win at Syracuse and a home win um, a home win against North Carolina State. Upcoming games: Wake Forest on the road, Syracuse at home, North Carolina State on the I'm sorry, North Carolina at home, Boston College on the road, Miami on the road. I mean, this Virginia Tech team could be looking at seven and three, even eight and two. Okay, nineteen and five. 20 and 0. I'm sorry. Wait, what? No, fuck. Sorry. 17 and 4, 16 and 5. Something like that. This could be the, the legit the fourth best team in the ACC because the next team that we're going to talk about, I don't think is. And right now in fourth place, 11 and 4, 3 and 2 in the ACC. Um, losers of two in a row, losers of three of their last five. Um, Virginia 
And this question was posed to me yesterday on Twitter um, by both Brad Cavallaro and Jonathan Warner. And it wasn't specifically to me. It was just something we talked about in the Rock in 25. Is Virginia a tournament team? And, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I'm not going to say I'm not a fan because I do it all the fucking time. But to answer a question with a question, if you, okay, if you have access to Ken Palm, pull up Virginia's Ken Palm page, okay? Go to Virginia and just, and scroll down just far enough that you can't see Virginia's name, okay? And look at that, look at that schedule, all right? You look at that schedule. And you look at those offensive numbers. Now, the defensive numbers are hard to ignore because they're all in green, okay? Because Virginia is one of the best defensive teams in the country. There's absolutely no denying that, okay? You look at those offensive numbers. And then you look at the tempo. Because in, in years past, tempo hasn't mattered. Why? Because that number right above tempo, adjusted efficiency, that says 230th, okay? You know what that said last year? Last year it said 2. Okay, the year before that, it said 30. The year before that, it said 50. The year before that, it said 8. The year before that, it said 21. Okay, so the tempo hasn't mattered for Virginia in years because when they get shots in the half-court set, they make them. Okay, Kyle Guy makes shots. Okay, Joe Harris makes shots. Justin Anderson makes shots. Malcolm Brogdon made all the shots. All right, they don't make shots this year. So when you run slow and you limit your own possessions and you are inefficient on offense, you're handcuffing yourself. Now, I'm not, I'm not knocking Tony Bennett. Don't, don't even get that confused, all right? But it is an issue. And then you look at the schedule. Like I said, just scroll down, okay? Wins, okay? Syracuse on the road to open the season, sure. Yep. James Madison, Columbia, Vermont, was decent at the time. Um, it's even still, even now, still a top 80 team in Ken Palm. Massachusetts. Yeah. Arizona State. That was seen as a pretty good win at the time. Arizona State's currently 85th. Okay, they're actually behind Vermont right now. Maine. Okay. Got torched by Purdue in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Went over North Carolina, which I think that was the last game that Cole Anthony played. Stony Brook, Navy, Virginia Tech. Okay, that, that rivalry game, they really they really shut down Virginia Tech. That was interesting. Okay, losses, Purdue, South Carolina, Boston College, Syracuse. Okay, two of those games are at home. Two of those games are in Charlottesville, including the one yesterday. The other one being South Carolina. So here's my question. And I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to answer a question with a question. If... If these jerseys that these guys are wearing in John Paul Jones Arena, if if you go to Winston Salem and you see Wake Forest and you pull up Wake Forest resume and it looks like this, are we even talking about them being a, a tournament team? Absolutely not. It's not there. Now, there's still plenty of time. We're only 15 games in the season. We got 15 more to go. Whatever it is. Okay? They still got 15 more ACC games to play. Plus the ACC tournament. They have quality players. Mabadi Diakite, really good player. Jay Hoff, really good player. For some reason, hasn't really showed a whole lot of it this year. Been kind of hesitant. Um, Walden Tensai, I still believe in. Casey Morsell, I still believe in. 
um, shooting whatever he is, 15%. Um, one of the lowest or the lowest points per possession player in the ACC with a minimum of 100 possessions, Casey Morso. He's better than that. I'll tell you that shit right now. Kia Clark, fantastic defender, and he's gonna he's gonna he's not gonna overtake a game on offense, but he's gonna score points, he's gonna get rebounds, he's gonna get steals, he's gonna you know set your your teammates up in order for them to succeed. There are pieces there. We all knew the offense was gonna struggle. It shouldn't be quite this bad though. I think the 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 expectations, the rhetoric, the lingo, the the, the talk, the publicity, maybe starting to get to this team, because this is a pretty young team for the most part, apart from Diakite. Um, I, I think they're going to dance. I think they're a first weekend team. I've, I've said that all along. But I think that if if this is Wake Forest resume, if you if you scroll down, you can't see Virginia, you look at that schedule, look at those results, look at those numbers on offense. If that's Wake Forest, you're not giving it a second thought. And I, I, I think that's accurate. Even even if if Wake Forest was eleven and four, given this schedule, given this this performance on offense, I don't I don't think you give it a second thought. I don't think you're even talking about them being. They're currently ranked 18th. You know, I'm interested to see how the voters respond on Monday for the AP poll, whether or not Virginia is still in this poll at eleven and four and three and two in the ACC. Because just by being eleven and four and three and two in the ACC, you think, oh yeah, they're all right compared to everybody else. You know, Ohio State is probably going to drop. It should drop out of the top twenty-five. I think four losses in a row, something like that. It's 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 recency biased at its finest. And you guys think you guys thought coming into the season that I was just being a hater, and I tried to tell you that that's not the case. Okay, I love Virginia basketball. Watching Kyle Guy run off an elevator screen is fantastic to me. Okay, watching him. Uh, manipulate a defender coming off a curl screen or fading to the corner. Something I love to watch. Okay? Watching Ty Jerome just go to work or drill a 35-foot three because he fucking feels like it was something that I love to watch. But I also try have to try to be objective. And I just didn't see it when it came to Virginia. You guys torched me on Reddit. You guys torched me on Twitter. What do we got? You got two losses in a row. One of which is Boston College. The other one's at home. To Syracuse, who only scored 38 points against you last time you guys met. On the road! I will take oaths of fealty and apologies in the form of tags on Twitter all day today. No hard feelings. Alright, number four. That was number four. Alright, number three. (laughs) Uh, Florida State, 14-2, 4-1 in the ACC. Second best team in the conference, in my opinion. They have surpassed Louisville, mostly due to beating Louisville last weekend. Um, <clears throat> currently, winners of seven in a row since that loss to Indiana. Devin Vassell, one of the top ten players in the conference as far as points per possession. Okay, um, Fantastic on defense, fantastic in transition, fantastic from the mid-range, fantastic from deep. And he can finish at the rim. I mean, Trent Forrest, Devin Vassell are, are you know, maybe the new, um, shit, I might have forgotten, Mar- Marquise Reed and, and Shelton Mitchell, okay, for Clemson. Except they're better on defense, which is crazy because Marquise Reed was a hell of a defender. Um, now, all right, now, MJ Walker's playing out of his fucking mind, finally, after 17 years, okay? 13 points, 42% from behind the arc, a couple of assists every game. 
if that perimeter, Devin Vassell, Trent Forrest, MJ Walker, okay, they get it going from deep. Patrick Williams is, is going to get room to work. Um, you know, Kopravica is another guy who's a high points per possession guy. I think he's injured right now. Um, and then you have Malik Osborne. You know, if you if you have to respect the outside shooting ability of those three guards, which Trent Forrest not a great shooting guard, but you probably got to respect him, especially in clutch situations, because you don't make it. Last five minutes of the game, I trust Trent Forrest to take that shot. I believe in Harvey Dent. No, I believe in Trent Forrest. Um, Patrick Williams, mid-range, defender, fantastic athlete. Hasn't quite put it all together yet. Malik Osborne, another um, member of my winner's blog post from the other day. Um, you know, Raekwon Evans, Raekwon Gray. You know, the, the the former actually starting to play a little bit at the point guard position, kind of giving Forrest a little bit of a breather, which is going to come in handy, I think, towards the end of the season. Um, Wyatt Wilkes has been getting a little bit of run, I think, lately. And, you know, I always advocated for the kid. Yeah. Um, Anthony Polite is a kid that is not getting enough. He's not getting enough of anything, okay? He's not getting enough publicity. He's not getting enough recognition, even from myself, Okay, he's not getting enough three-point opportunities. He's not getting. He's just not getting enough. Anthony Polite may be one of the best players in the conference that isn't putting up a ton of stats and isn't getting a lot of publicity. But he is a key cog, okay, to what this Florida State team does, especially on defense. And he's got a pretty good-looking outside shot. I wish I could pull up Sports Reference, but it would it would just kill the audio. Um, where are we on time? Oh my God, we're 116 minutes in. No, we're an hour and 16 minutes in. All right, let's wrap this up. Florida State, <clears throat> I you know, Florida State's an Elite Eight team. Uh, if MJ Walker is playing like he's played lately, this is a Final Four team. Believe that word. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I just. Uh, the, the Devin Vassell love seems overblown and, and almost like myself, Jonathan Warner, um, the guys from Three Man Weave, I believe. You know, some other people really high on Devin Vassell. And it almost seems like uh, like we're being sarcastic about it now. The kid is so good. Okay? I, I You know, he could score 12 points and be the best player on the floor. Um, he's just simply fantastic. So, if you have not watched Florida State play, watch him play. You know, Devin Vassell, this is what sticks out to me. The, the other day, I think it was Louisville getting a Wake Forest game. He's on the wing, gets the ball, drives kind of to the lane, but from the from the shoulder, kind of drives across the bucket around the free throw line. And he's got his hips parallel to the hoop, parallel to the basket line, okay? And goes up for a jumper and con- contorts his body. So his, his upper, his torso is, is squared up with the basket and his lower body is still parallel to the basket line and drills it. Just drills it. I mean, not not even... I mean, his top half is squared up. It looks like a guy that got hit by a train shooting a basketball. And drills it. It just... that And, and on defense, Forrest and Vassell, huh, forget about it. Uh, and then you add Polite when he's on the floor. I mean, that's three-plus defenders on the floor at the same time. It's absolutely incredible to watch Florida State play. One of my favorite teams to watch this year. Um, let's see. Number two, Louisville. <sighs> You know, my, my pick in the preseason, 13-3, and 4-1 in the ACC. My pick in the preseason to win the national championship. Uh, had played fairly decent, I guess, 
uh, since dropping that game to Texas Tech. You know, they go to they go to Lexington, they drop that game in overtime uh, to Kentucky, where which you guys, you know, it, it should be a trend that you got that we notice by now. Okay, Kentucky has figured out how to shut down star players. Okay, Tyrese Maxey. What he what Tyrese Maxey does is he what he does is he gets he faces the the offensive player. He's done it to Mike DeVoe, Okay, he's done it to Jordan War. He did it to who did he do it to yesterday? Uh, well, he tried to do it to John Petty, but John Petty's kind of a freak. Um, it, Anthony Edwards. I'm sorry, that's the guy I'm trying to think of. Even though Anthony Edwards had 23 as well. All right. So what they do is basically Tyrese Tyrese Maxey. Stands facing the the offensive player. He puts his left foot, okay, on the instep of the right foot of the offensive player. He puts his right foot on the left foot instep of the offensive player. He puts both hands in his pockets, or both hands around his waist, okay, puts him in a bear hug, and basically makes the offensive player lug him around the entire game. And they can't help but get exhausted. He did it to Mike DeVoe, which looked kind of weird because Maxie's a lot bigger than DeVoe. And then he did it to um, Jordan Moore. So, you know, without, you know, with Jordan War having to face that, look like the guy, you know, like a full body alien from the Alien movie. It's difficult for Jordan War to get a jump shot off like that. And then Florida State, one of the best defensive teams in the country, Jordan War got zero help in that game uh, from any of his teammates. Now, in the last two games against ACC opponents since the Florida State game, Miami Notre Dame, Notre Dame on the road yesterday, it was more of the same. I think, not so much the bear hug and the instep thing, but um, Ryan McMahon finally showed up, okay? Jordan Moore finally got some help, which which Dwayne Sutton gives him help, okay? But Dwayne Sutton really going to score 20 points, okay? Dwayne Sutton's going to get you 10 points, 8 rebounds, 10 points, 9 rebounds, a steal, something to win the game, okay? He's going to dive into the scorer's table and take out Jay Billis headfirst and, and throw the ball right under the hoop where Malik Williams is going to be standing for a lap. He's going to make plays like that, okay? Yesterday, Ryan McMahon showed up and had a fantastic first half. Again, hitting threes, made some stupid reverse layup that I've never seen a white kid make before. It just finally some help. Steven Enoch, I thought... Played. I expected Enoch to play with Mooney yesterday, and that is not how that went at all. Um, in fact, if you guys follow me on Twitter at ACCBR1, yesterday I put up six. I bet on all six ACC games yesterday. I went five and one. I took Louisville to cover the three and a half. What I did was, again, I bet on each individual game. I think I put half a unit on each game, something like that, um, just to see. Okay, one of those included Clemson money line. By the way, holler at your boy. Um, yeah, I know. I'm just kind of whiting that up a little bit. But uh, I took Louisville minus three and a half. TJ Gibbs goes to the line, drills two free throws to bring the game to within three. What I did yesterday was all six games after I bet on them individually, I said, screw it. I took all six and I threw on a $5 parlay, a $16, $5 parlay. I went five and one yesterday. The only game that I lost was Louisville minus three and a half. They won 67-64. TJ Gibbs misses one of those free throws. I turn five bucks into 270 and change. You know, as a Notre Dame fan, I mean, if you're going to lose, lose big. You know, do it for me. I could use 300 bucks. Shit. You know, 300 bucks pays for this podcast for a year. Shit. Anyway. Enough about my financial shortcomings. Louisville. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick by... Yeah, I don't even know if I want to do that. I'd like to stick by my national championship prognostication. Um, but some things have to change. Samuel Williamson needs to find himself. Whether it be a vision quest, you know, go out to Joshua Tree, something. Uh, you know, LSD, Joshua Tree, make it happen. I, I just... You know, five-star kid, so much potential, and just doesn't... Just doesn't have it right now. Um, I don't know if it's a if it's a school thing, mental thing. Maybe you know, maybe it's you know, chick. Maybe his chick broke up with him. Hey, been there. That'll happen. You get a pass. Um, maybe it's a system thing. I don't know. But you know, ten minutes played yesterday. Uh, zero points. Zero shots. Uh, did have a couple of rebounds. Didn't turn the ball over. But you know, he's gonna be if they're gonna win the national championship. Samuel Williamson needs to be a big part of this team. Samuel Williamson needs to be hitting shots. Um, you know, he's a five-star kid. He's 6'7", got a pretty jumper. You know, I expected him to be the second leading scorer on this team, and he just, you know, either it's, I don't know if it's, like I said, I don't know if it's confidence thing. I don't know what it is. But uh, if they're going to be a contender for the national championship, Samuel Williamson needs to do it. Jordan Moore can't do it by himself, which he showed that in the Florida State game. He was the only guy that showed up for the Florida State game. So, again, I still like this team, but... I'm cautious. I hate this term too. It's become cliche. Cautiously optimistic moving forward. I, right now, I think that that Florida is clearly a better team than Louisville. I think Louisville is the third best team in the conference. All right, let's talk about some of your boys. I don't know how many Duke listeners I have. I wouldn't be surprised if there was none. But in the Rock and Twenty Five, we had this discussion yesterday. Um, who's the best team in the country? And I said this on the Rock and Twenty Five radio show. Uh, rock101.fm if you guys want to check it out from this week's show uh, myself Eric Haslam and uh, Lucas Harkins of uh, of Bustin Brackets um, Duke's the best team in the country and did you see anything last night in that Wake Forest game to suggest otherwise I mean I, I, number, you know number three in adjusted offensive efficiency number four in adjusted defensive efficiency I think they're top 20 in defending the uh, in the three-point line uh, according to uh, Eric Haslam's metrics um, uh, you know Trey Jones on the ball Vernon Carey on the glass uh, you know Cassius, Cassius Stanley having to literally throw the ball down in order to dunk it. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Matthew Hurt starting to come around. Jack White making threes. Alex O'Connell making plays. Joey Baker making threes. This is the deepest Duke team we've seen in a long time. Wendell Moore's out with a broken hand. They haven't missed him. Okay, four-star kid. Seven and a half points, three and a half rebounds per game. Good defender, good slasher, gets to the rim. Not a great shooter, but they they haven't missed him. Didn't miss a beat yesterday. Okay, now... Didn't miss a beat. Oh, didn't really miss a beat against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Atlanta's a tough place to play. The nine point spread doesn't doesn't shock me at all. You know, it would have shocked me if Georgia Tech would have won. Doesn't shock me that Georgia Tech kept it close. Um, since the Stephen F. Austin loss, which hey, everybody wants to make a big deal about Stephen F. Austin loss. We're just going to start a new streak. All streak comes to an end. There's no there's no streaks in in the history of anything that hasn't come to an end. Okay, the UConn women's streak come to an end. Okay, the UCLA championship streak came to an end. Okay, Duke hadn't lost to an unranked out of conference opponent at home since the '80s. It's going to end sometime. You know, should it have ended against? Yeah, yeah. Who did they play? Georgetown at home? 
Uh, that was a neutral court. Colorado State at home, would that be more acceptable? I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right, right? Lose to Stephen F. Austin, fucking A. And then rip off nine wins in a row, <laughs> right? Duke's the best team in the nation. And I, I never would have thought that coming into the season, ever. Um, as far as upcoming games for Duke, uh, should be noted they are favored in every single game for the rest of the season. And their next five games, Clemson in Little John, one of the toughest places to play in the ACC. Uh, Louisville at home, Miami at home, Pittsburgh at home, Syracuse on the road, and then the sixth game is Boston College in Chestnut Hill. And then you got the rivalry game on Tobacco Road, North Carolina in Chapel Hill before the showdown with Florida State. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Is that correct? One, two, three, four, six. So the next seven games. Um, now, six of those, I'm sorry, five of those are wins, Okay. At Clemson, Miami, Pittsburgh at home, Syracuse on the road, Boston College on the road. Those are wins. Five wins. Okay. Louisville at home. <laughs> this it depends on what Louisville team shows up. Um, the Louisville team that played Miami on opening night. Okay. Yep. That could be a game. The Louisville team that played Kentucky. Uh, no. No, 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 no. The Louisville team that played Florida State. No. That's a 15-point loss. Okay. Duke wins that game by 15 if that Louisville team shows up. Okay? Hi, Turk. You want to say hi? Huh? Want to say hi? Maybe you want to take a break and give Dad five minutes? Or you stand there and look foolish? All right, we can do that too. And then, <clears throat> look, I know North Carolina's been bad. It would not shock me in the least, okay, if... When's this Duke game? That Duke game's February 8th, okay? Less than a month away. Cole Anthony, if he's coming back, will should probably return around NC State on the 27th or Boston College at home on February 1st. That, that would make sense to me, okay? Cole Anthony comes back on a Saturday, in a home game, on a, on a game against uh, an opponent they should beat. And that gives him two games to warm up for that Duke game. Not shocking at all. Would not shock. If he's going to come back, that's when he's going to come back. I would put money on it. Um, and then, what do we have? What have we learned from 100 years of Duke, North Carolina? It doesn't matter. You could have number one versus number 50 in Ken Palm in that game. Does not matter. It's going to be a seven-point game. That is what it is. Imagine the storyline. Cole Anthony comes back. Okay, going to be the number three pick in the draft. Comes back against Boston College. Goes one for eight. Okay, scores five points, four turnovers, three assists. Okay, Carolina State or Carolina drops it at home to Boston College. Derek Thornton just runs roughshod over him. Okay, Jay Heath big game. Nick Popovich is back. Okay, keeps those big guys in check. Boston College wins the game, fifty-seven fifty-six on. Jay Heath's free throws. Okay? Oh, God. Carolina fans. Oh, he's back. It's so bad. Even with him back. Fire Roy. Oh, God. What are we going to do? We're never going to be good again ever until next year when we have all these five-star kids showing up. Okay? That's what it's like down here. Take my word for it. What happens? A week later. Okay? There it is. No. I've wanted to say that the entire... Anyway. A week later. Okay? North Carolina. At home, hosting Duke. Uh, 
Okay, Duke's a double-digit favorite, 13-point favorite. Okay, what happens? They win the game. Okay? Throw them out, throw the records out, throw the rankings out, throw the rosters out. It's a pride thing. And I can't fucking wait for it. Can't wait for it. I don't care. You know, I wanted to go to this game last year. I can't remember what the tickets were. Some stupid amount, like five grand for bad tickets. My only hope is that the guy that I work for, the guy that I build apartments for, can't make it to the game. Which, he's got uh, he's got uh, North Carolina season tickets. And uh, there's no fucking way that he's ever going to pass that game up. But if he does, I will be in the house. If I am in the house, I will be on Twitter all day long. You guys will get pictures from me all day long. And I will write a story about it afterwards. But, where are we now? An hour and 32 minutes! Welcome back, Michael. At ACCBR1 on Twitter, ACCBasketballReport.com. I'm going to put up my power rankings today. Check me out on ACC Weekly last week with Jeff, uh, Jeffrey and Matthew. Check me out this week on the Rockin' 25, rock101.fm. Going to come out on, I believe, Friday. Uh, check me out on Making the Madness with my boy, J-Dub. Um, this week, we're going to talk about ACC. Always a good conversation with me and J-Dub. Uh, one of the smartest guys, one of the smartest bracketologists in the nation, um, right there in Bracket Matrix with Joe Lenardi. You know, I hang out with the smartest motherfuckers, okay, in college basketball. All right, they're rocking 25, baby. All right, I've wasted enough of you guys' time. Hope you guys learned something. Hope you guys appreciate it. I'm glad to be back. I will catch you next week. This has been the ACC Basketball Report. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your mom. Later.